0: You know, sometimes we need an eye-opening experience to, to let us know who we are. Are you a young man, an old man, middle-aged man? You know, the leading cause of injury among older men is still thinking they're younger men. <laughs> I don't know, maybe those of you are over 40 like I am, remember that day when, uh, You know, you went out hiking, or you lifted something, or you stayed up late, and the next day you woke up and you were reminded, the pain reminded you. You're you're, you're not the same person you once were. You're changing. Your identity is no longer young man. It is middle-aged man. That's what I am now. I'm middle-aged man. But with that eye-opening experience, your identity started to shift. You stop doing certain things based on that fact, and maybe you start doing other things, like taking your centrum silver. (laughs) It's a great time to be silver. Um, Today we're gonna talk about um, growing to be a mature Christian, and how to become all we were meant to become in Christ. And last week we started a series in Ephesians called, Who Are You? Uh, Because how we view ourselves, how we view our identity, it affects so much in life. It affects how we think, how we speak, how we act, how we interact with others. And in the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, he seeks to show his readers the glorious truth of who they are, their identity in Christ. And that identity opens up a whole new world of supernatural promises and possibilities as God's power becomes personal. God's power becomes personal. And we're going to look at that in two different aspects. God's power becomes personal in that God's power has become personal in the person of Jesus Christ. But then because it's become personal through Christ, we now have his power towards us in Christ, so that his power becomes personal at work in our own lives. And just like last week, when we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14, our section now, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, Paul connects who the Ephesians are, who we are in Christ, with who God is let's look at our scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 15. For this reason, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So, I'm going to stop there for a moment. Paul says to the Christian Ephesians, you know, I, I've heard that you're actively Believing in Jesus Christ and loving people. So I'm, I don't stop thanking God for you and praying for you. And what Paul means is this isn't just a general prayer of, oh God, you know, bless all the churches, all this. No, he prays specifically for the church in Ephesus. He thanks God for them. He prays for them. And that's interesting because usually when things are going well, he says, I've heard about. Your, your, uh, your faith, your love for others, and so I continue to pray for I don't stop praying for you, and that's interesting because oftentimes, what do we do? Well, when, when someone's doing well, or something's going well, we often stop praying and move on to people who need it more. But that's not Paul's approach. Paul wants more for the Ephesians. He senses they're about to have a breakthrough And the way that you push through and actually have that breakthrough is through prayer. You see, so often we're improving, uh, we're getting closer to God, and instead of continuing in prayer and pushing through that barrier so that we have a new intimacy with God, we often then step back. That's not Paul's approach. He says, hey, Ephesians, I sensed you're getting closer to a breakthrough with God, and so I'm going to keep praying for you until you actually break through. Now, you might be here, and you might be thinking, I'm not near a breakthrough, I'm near a breakdown. But the answer is still the same. As we pray and press into God, we are asking him to, to move in us. Knowing that the more we know of who He is, that is when we will grow and experience that breakthrough. Because sometimes we miss that breakthrough, or sometimes we miss getting lifted up from that breakdown, because we stop pressing in prayer. But we see that's not Paul's approach. Paul's approach is, "No, I'm going to continue. I'm not going to stop praying." And what does he pray about? Well, that's the next section. The content of his prayer is in verses 17 through 23. Let me read this. So he he does not cease praying, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Can I get an amen for that? You know, you know me by now. You know I don't like to gear people up and I don't need you amen and me, but if there's anything that deserves an amen, it is the word of God. And I mean, look at all of the riches that he is saying is available to us. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great mind, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's amazing. Just like last week, it was amazing and now just Paul keeps just just pouring out the amazing blessings of who God is and who we are in him. And so what does Paul pray? Because that's the content of his prayer. He says, I haven't ceased praying for you. Now let me tell you what I have been praying. And he prays, first of all, that verse 17 and 18, that God, what kind of God? Well, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Just in case you weren't sure which God he was talking about, he's talking about the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. May he give them... What he's praying for. Give them a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. And then that's restated. It's, it's held in parallel with having the eyes of your heart enlightened. That's interesting. Because my heart doesn't have eyes. I mean, getting some clogged arteries, but it doesn't have eyes. Interesting terminology. But what is it? the heart, okay, the heart at that time? That was the seat of emotions. And so Paul is praying that, this, that God's spirit would give them wisdom and revelation and that in their inner being, in their own spirit, the, the eyes of their heart, the eyes of their spirit would be open to receive this wisdom and revelation. Now, he's praying that they be given wisdom and, and, and enlightenment in their heart for, for what? Is it so that they can be the Bible answer man? So anyone who asks a Bible question, you know they just got it out there? No. Is it he praying that they'd have revelation about the end of the end of days? Right? The end times? Many of us are looking for that kind of revelation because things look like they're getting serious. Right? In 2020. Is that what he's praying for? That they get that kind of revelation? No. What does he pray that He he prays that that God would give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Christ. Paul prays that he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit who would cause them to know God more. Again, we need to know who God is before we know who we are. So Paul's saying, I'm praying that the Spirit will open your eyes to who Christ is. And we might be thinking, wait a minute, why is he praying that? Aren't, Aren't the Ephesians all Christians already? Yes, they are. He just said, I've heard about your faith and your love for one another. But see, faith in Christ is not the end. It's the beginning. Being born again isn't the end, it's the beginning. And Paul's saying, I've heard that you started your journey, and so I'm praying that you'll continue in it. He says, I heard you were born again, so I'm praying that you will grow into all, into the knowledge of who God is, so that you'll grow into who God has called you to be. That makes sense, I mean, when a mother gives birth, she doesn't say, ooh, I'm done with that, I don't have to deal with that kid ever again. No, I mean, you might be glad that the labor's over, but, but you know it's just the beginning. You know that now your life is changed, that if anything, it's like, oh man, we're embarking on a new life, a new journey. That's why Paul says, I'm praying that you would know God more That you would grow in understanding his grace. That you'd grow in understanding his nature, his spirit, and the incredible work that God has done. And then, then when you see clearly who God is, you will see who you are in him. And with the eyes of our hearts enlightened by his spirit, what will we see? That's when we will see, verse 18, what is the hope for which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his might? And so as we have gathered here, both in person and online, we ask that question. And that is, do you know the hope of your calling in Christ? Do you know the, the riches of his glorious inheritance? Do you know God's immeasurable great power now, in the context of the scripture, that's not really a yes or no question, is it? Is it? Yeah, I know it, or no, I don't know it. It's rather, no, my eyes are opening more and more to the reality of what I have in Christ. That is our growth. That's what Paul's praying for these Ephesians who are already Christians. And so, yeah, they, in one sense, they know their inheritance. They know the hope of their calling. But Paul said, like, no, I want, you to, I want you to get the whole deal. I want you to get a growing understanding of this, that God will open the eyes of your heart. And as I grow in my knowledge of God, I grow in my knowledge of who I am in God. What he has for me. Paul is saying, you've seen it. You know it, and I'm praying that you'll see it even more day by day, week by week, that you will grow in the grace and knowledge of who God is, and then you will grow and understand and know who you are in Him. That's Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He's praying that they'll see God's power and work more and more, but this is not power in an abstract sense. And that, yeah, we know God's powerful after all, He's the creator of the whole universe. This is power towards us who believe. This is power becoming personal, and this because this power—it's not just a concept, but it's expressed and offered to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse twenty. That again, um, that you may, according to the working of his great might, verse twenty, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if you are in Christ, your identity is found in him. Well, where, where is he? Well, as Paul says, that he's at the right hand of God. He is risen from the dead and now sits at God's right hand. God's awesome power of raising Jesus from the dead and seating him as king of king and lord of lords above all things, that awesome power is now a part of who you are. Again, that power has become personal. It's not just become personal in the person of Jesus, although, of course, it has But now it's become personal, in that as you are in Christ, that same supernatural power, that same uh, closeness with God in the heavenly places is also in you. Because you are in Christ. So God gave Christ to be over all things, and he is the head of the church, it says here. So you being in Christ and in his body, that's a part of who you are now. It's a part of who you are. That's the hope of our calling. That's our riches of our inheritance. That's the working of God's power in us. And if you are in Christ, and Christ is risen victorious over the dead and reigns at God's right hand, then that victory, that closeness with God, that supernatural power, again, it is part of our identity as followers of Christ. Also know that if you are in Christ, you are also a part of his body, the church. Uh, so that a part of growing in your identity as Christ, in Christ and experience his fullness, it's found in being a part of his body. And I know we, we just want it to be us, you know, me and Jesus. But the spirit brings knowledge and brings wisdom of God often through other people so that we experience who we are in Christ also by experiencing uh, being a part of his body. The local expression of his body, here's like a Baptist, or also the universal expression of his body. Because our perspective can be so small, and we're talking about a God and wanting to know him more, and we should expect that in order to know God and his power more, that's going to be expressed in ways beyond ourselves. In other people. I was reminded of this a couple of times this week where uh, one of them was me and the other was another person. We were just seeing everything in a negative light. Just seeing everything in a negative light. And then person after person came to me and that other person and just gave testimonies of all that God was doing. Amen. And God was trying to open our eyes to something we couldn't see. Because that's how often God works, is he brings his power to bear. His power becomes personal, not just me and God, but us and God. He's doing it through others. So in, being in Christ goes hand in hand with being in his body. That's one of the wonderful things that Paul's pointing out in the book of Ephesians. All right, so how do we apply this? How do we apply this? How do we keep this from just being, wow, that's some great concepts. Those are some mind-blowing promises. A Couple things. First of all, notice what Paul, who is an apostle, he's mature in the faith, he says, I've not stopped praying. Again, when we are mature adults, we, do, we stop doing a lot of things. But when we're spiritually mature, one of the things we don't stop doing is praying. We, specifically, we don't stop praying to know God more for ourselves and others. If, if you think that you're at a point in your Christianity we are like, yeah, I'm good, I, I think I know God as much as I possibly can, your God is too small. I'm just going to say that straight up. Your God is too small. If you think, if even if you live to a hundred years old, if you think in a hundred years you can understand the power and know God intimately, in eternity, it's going to take eternity, in eternity as we are in God's presence, we're going to keep knowing more and more about God's glory, we're going to go deeper and deeper to the highest heavens of who He is, we're going to go into the lowest valleys that He gave His life for us, that kind of love, as we come and understand that, it's... We're not going to tire of it for all eternity. We're not going to exhaust that knowledge in all of eternity. And so, likewise, we can have more and more of that knowledge of who God is in our lives now. So we don't stop praying to know God more. We don't stop praying that for ourselves. We don't stop praying that for one another. Don't stop praying that for me. We, that is what we keep doing, is that we, we pray, God... We want to know you more. Fill me with your, the knowledge and revelation of who you are. Open the eyes of my heart, God. We don't stop. And again, we don't stop praying for what? Again, I, I know I'm, I'm going to be crystal clear. Don't stop praying for what? We pray that God would open our hearts to know him more. And I'm, I'm repeating that because oftentimes we want, we want to know God's power. But do we really want to know him What I mean is we pray, we'll settle for, I'll say, we settle for God in your power, uh, move in this sickness. Remove it. God in your power, move in this situation and change it. Uh, fix this, do that. But let me tell you, you, most, you will experience God's power when you experience being in his presence. That is the key. Otherwise, you'll get God, you'll you'll see some of God's work, you'll know a little bit about His power, but you won't experience it in a way that transforms you. See, too many times we have a transactional Christianity, which means, all right, God, I'm going to pray to you, I'd like you to do this and that, and when He does this and does that, okay, good, I got what I wanted. But God is in more than just a transaction with you, He wants to transform you and me. So that our identity would be so grounded in Christ that we start to actually live as he would live. He lives through us so that when people see us, they see Christ. And we decrease, he increases. And that's a wonderful thing because, you know what? And I think, "Lord, does that mean I lose my identity? No, it means you discover who you were meant to be in Christ. That when God created you for in, in your mother's womb, he knew you. That's what we read about last week. He intended for you to be his beloved child, reflecting the heavenly father, reflecting the beloved son. And then we, we pray that We not only know God and His power more, but that we understand and grow in the knowledge of who He is. And so, yeah, I'm gonna talk about knowing God more. Paul here says that we understand that Christ is above all; His name is above all names. And in the context, he's writing to the church in Ephesians, in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, they had a whole lot of magic. Okay, what I mean by that is not like coin tricks, like. Oh, it's a quarter, um, that, that kind of prestidigitation, but rather magic where people prayed uh, to, uh, to the gods, uh, they, they made sacrifice, they would say certain words so that they would be protected from evil spirits, from demons, from ghosts, all of that stuff. And so here, the Apostle Paul is reminding the Ephesians, wait a minute, as you know God more, what you're going to understand is Jesus is at the right hand of God and his name is above all other names. In other words, as you seek to find the, the, the protection, the secret name of that demon so that you can then have protection against that demon, Paul say, don't worry about that. Jesus has the name above all names. You don't need to fear that anymore. And, and I know for us, some of us were like, yeah, that's not in our context. But for you, some of it is. I, and I, I am certain that there's someone watching or someone in this room who has experienced some sort of demonic oppression and you're scared, an evil spirit, and you are afraid, but what Paul is saying is you don't need to be scared. Jesus has the name above all names. You don't need a secret uh, you know, magic formula or whatever. You have, if your identity is in Christ, then you have access to the Holy God. But how that applies to us, it also means that, you know, Jesus, he's above all things. He's the Lord of Lords and, power, and has all, the, the power has become personal. And so that, that means in him, we, we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear COVID-19. Right? It's not that it means we don't be careful, we don't love one another and practice what we're, uh, to make sure we're protected. But it means ultimately, I don't fear. I don't fear COVID-19, I don't fear the flu, I don't fear fear polio or any other thing, because I know ultimately that Christ is above all things. Maybe some of you are worrying about the civil unrest, the wildfires. Here, the Apostle Paul is reminding us, if we remember who God is, then then he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And that same power that works in Christ also works in us. So that, that means that the Roman Emperor, so in, in Ephesus, you know, they, the, the Roman Emperor had ultimate power. He said, no, nope, Jesus is above that too. His name is above Caesar's. And so as we go into this elec- election season, maybe some of you are, are off your, you know, really uh, worried about one way or another that this guy gets in or that guy gets in, or you're worried about the Supreme Court now. No, God is a judge of all judges. He is the king of kings. Any earthly power, any worldly leader, any president is nothing compared to King Jesus, who sits on the right hand of the Father. And so what it means is wherever God is, if you're in him, Then if you're in a wildfire, if you're in sickness, if you're in civil unrest, if you're in a crazy election cycle, then you have access to God's power and Christ's working in you. That your identity isn't swayed by these things. Your identity is in Christ. So whoever wins or loses, whether you're sick or well, whether you're young or old, your identity is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is located at the right hand of the Father. Because that's what we need to pray for. We pray that God will open our eyes, not just so we'll see who, who Christ is, yes, that's the first step, but we will see who we are in Christ. Because sometimes we we understand who God is. We understand, yes, he's powerful, he's loving. We understand that through Christ, God has shown his grace. But we also need to grow in who we are in him. You you see what I mean? In much of my Christian life, I've understood theologically and theoretically and in my mind, yeah, God is the most powerful, he's the most loving, he's full of grace, but here as the Apostle Paul says, well, wait a minute, you also need to understand who you are in him because his power has been made personal, not just in the person of Jesus Christ theoretically, but it's been personal so that his power can be at work in you. So that it's not just about who God is, it's about who we are in God. And Paul's prayer is for us to receive that spiritual knowledge, which opens our spiritual eyes to see that that Christ's death, his sin-conquering work of grace on the cross, that work is not just an expression of who God is, But it's a gift from God to us that changes us. You see, that's why the power is made personal. It's made personal in that it's not just an expression of who God is. It's a gift from God to us. So we gather to remind one another about that. But again, God is the one who does the work of opening our eyes. So do not cease praying for yourself. Do not cease praying for one another. And as you come into this time, of when we sing our, our final song, let it be your prayer. It's open the eyes of my heart. And we, that is our prayer, that we want God to open the eyes of our hearts so that we don't just see who he is, we also see who we are in him. And as we sing this, maybe you need to go to God and, and you're like, yeah, God, I don't really, I, I haven't been growing in, in, the, in your knowledge of who you are. I've been following a transactional idea of Christianity. In fact, maybe you're here, maybe you came here initially as a, with a transactional model. Oh, I'll get a little pick-me-up. But we'll be careful. That's what you might get. In other words, we'll just get a little pick-me-up. But God is offering him himself. He wants you to know him more so that you'll know who you are. So let let that be our prayer today. Let's step into the power that's made personal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. That you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, we confess and repent of just wanting a little bit of spiritual pick me up we've settled for things Lord help us to see all that we are in you Lord we thank you that your power is made personal through Christ but now it's made personal in that it's your power towards us it's a gift of life, of a new new identity in you. Lord, do whatever it takes in us. You see into our hearts, God. Whether we're here or online, give us that revelation of not just in this time, Lord. In the days and weeks ahead, fill us with your spirit, overwhelm us. Lord, wreck us. Wreck us with your presence. Because then we know you rebuild us into who we were meant to be. We pray that for ourselves. We pray that for our church. And Lord, may this song be our prayer. Our prayer today, tomorrow, and the years ahead. We want to see you, God. We want to see you for who you are.